We have all been given the privilege of being able to communicate with God the Father, uncreated, sovereign ruler of the universe. And God wants to continue, continually talk to us every single day. And he wants us to pursue him in prayer. We know that Jesus modeled prayer while he was on earth. Often the leaders, the disciples would get up and they would look around and Jesus was gone. Luke tells us in chapter five that he often would withdraw to the wilderness for prayer. Mark says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. The disciples were so stirred when they saw Jesus praying to the Father that they asked him, would you teach us to pray? And in the inaugural talk that Jesus gives, known as the Sermon on the Mount, he takes a few minutes to talk a little bit about having this kind of a relationship of prayer, because Jesus calls every follower to have a life of prayer. I'd like you to uh, pull out your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin reading here with verse uh, number uh, 6. Everybody here this morning? Yes. Praise God. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Let's read uh, out loud together with verse number uh, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus here talks about the secret place of being in prayer. And he begins by saying, when you pray. He says that two times. And what Jesus is saying we need to have a time where we pray. A time we head out to work, head out to school. A time when we go to the grocery store. A time to pay the bills. And yet Jesus says, when you pray. When do you pray? What is 
the time that you as the son and daughter of the king meet with the king of kings, Jesus. Jesus says, when you pray. And then he says, regarding where. What he is saying here is there needs to be a place where it's quiet and you can listen and not be distracted by technology, by your smartphone, or smart anyway, not be distracted by anything and you have a place in prayer. For David, his place was out in the fields as a shepherd. For John the Baptist, it was the wilderness. And maybe it's your truck on the job site every morning where you have a time when you are meeting with the Lord, King of Kings. And then who we are meeting with the Father. Jesus, most often in the Gospels, refers to God as Father. In fact, Jesus introduces us to a better understanding of seeing God as a Father and as a Father, one that is there to take care of us and to talk to us. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, in that day, Jesus speaking, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So it's interesting not only that we pray, but we pray right. We pray to the Father, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus gives us access to God the Father. God the Father is the username. The name of Jesus is the password. We all need a password. I'm always going on different things and I never have the password. Well, I have the password when I'm praying and you do too. And the password is the name of Jesus. And here Jesus says, you haven't been talking to me, but now in the future, you're gonna pray to God the Father and you're gonna use my name. And what he was saying was, when you use my name, you're gonna shatter and crash and crush the gates of Hades. You're gonna rise up and know that your prayers are not simply routine babblings, but you are speaking into the atmosphere that is able to destroy the demonic powers and the strongholds of the enemy. Our prayer is not impotent praying. It is not mumbling or babbling. Our prayer is a prayer that is touching not the wall, but heaven. And when we pray, I'm sure the enemy leaves and he runs off because we are warriors in prayer. 
And then what? He says, if you'll pray, I will reward you. The immediate reward for being in the secret place is that we are able to sense a renewed manifestation of the presence of God. When you read the Old Testament, you find that the Ark of the Covenant was really a big deal. And that was because it embodied the very presence of God. Now, we have the opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies through the name of Jesus. And when we do, we can come in to the secret place. And when we come in, we may have anxiety. We may have all the burdens of the world like all of us do. But when we enter in, and we begin to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, and we begin to take our stand, the Bible calls us that we are priests before God. We do not need a man to help us get in. We don't need a pastor or a priest to help us get in. No one helps us get in. Church of God, Church in the Son won't help you get in. Our access and our password is the name of Jesus, and let us not ever be so common with the name of Jesus that it's like saying Bob or Betty or whatever. It's not, it's the name of Jesus that shatters the enemy and answers prayer. And when we begin to do that, it pushes back the clouds and it's like the sun is coming out freshly in the atmosphere around us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can be fighting the most fierce battle, but when we live according to what it says in Matthew, in, uh, Matthew chapter 91, verse 1, where it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. Many years ago, we were in the Rock House ministry, the youth ministry, and we we're having a tremendous move of the Spirit, literally hundreds and hundreds of young people. We had started with six o'clock prayer meetings in the rock house and literally young people would show up. One day I met a man by the name of Dick Eastman. He was a radical young person and he had just written a book called The Hour That Changes the World. And as I began to talk to him and to read what he was putting forth and making it possible for everyone and anyone to work gradually up to a significant prayer life. In his book, he has this 12 different aspects of prayer, not in any particular order, but aspects of prayer. And of course, overall, we pray in the Spirit. But we always begin with praise. So that when we are sitting in our chair, 
in our secret place in the inner room with the Lord, we do not begin with petition. We do not begin by talking about our problems. Because our problems have a tendency to make God small. Worry is a good sign of making God small and our problems big. Worry is when you think about, need I educate this group on worry? Worry is when you have a thought and it has to do with a problem you're dealing with and you begin to meditate on your problem and somehow in the middle of the meditation on your problem, you then move into worry and then in the middle of worry, you almost become an atheist and God becomes very small. So we have to realize that we are talking to the sovereign ruler of the universe, that he is not impotent, he is mighty, and he is powerful. We may not know when the answer comes. Remember, we're not in charge of the answering department. He doesn't say, you, pr you answer the prayer. Remember, if we had access to answer the prayers, then we would be God. But as of today, he is still God. We are created in his image and we are the praying people. We are not in the answering department. We are in the praying department and we are to pray. Now, a lot of people kind of get discouraged because we haven't seen the answer. Remember, you're not in the answering department, you're in the praying department. And when we decide that we will be in charge of our department and we're gonna pray. And if it happens tomorrow, praise God, I'll be excited. But I'm not gonna give in, give up, be discouraged. I'm gonna be praying for what I know belongs to me and what God has for me, and I'm gonna be like a bulldog. Anybody wanna have a bulldog? No one, okay. Gonna be like a, one pan back there. We're gonna be like a bulldog, and we are not stopping, and we're not gonna stop praying, and we're not gonna pray in doubt and unbelief. We're gonna pray knowing that we are serving an uncreated God who is the ruler of the universe, and he is big, he is big. And what Dick Eastman here has is certain areas that we should weigh in. One of them is the area of being watchful. Some months ago, I was in prayer waiting. I like to begin to praise God. Now, some people praise out loud. I praise in my heart more. And then I go right into thanksgiving. I begin to thank God for Judith. She has to live with me. I ask, I pray, I pray for her. I thank God for her, for my family. I begin to praise God for this church. I, I begin to see all the things God is doing because if you don't thank him, your problems will be bigger than your thank you. So when you begin to thank him, and then often I just wait. I go right into waiting. And I'll just sit there in the chair and I'll just wait to see what he wants to say to me or something I need to know that I don't know. 
And the other day, something he told me, he warned me, now watch this. Now remember, whether you're a student in the college, you're a father or a mother, single, married, want to be married, tired of, anyway, whatever it is, we are the children of God. And we have to continually wait on God, be alert to what God is saying, and he can warn us of things that are coming or something the enemy is trying to do so that we don't pray after the problem. We are able to omit something from happening because we are alert. Colossians 4.2 says that we to be devoted to prayer and we are to be alert in our minds and in our hearts. Hallelujah. Dick Eastman has now trained five million on this prayer plan of moving toward an hour of prayer and praying more effectively. Two million have been trained in China alone on how to pray effectively. When we pray, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And God reserves certain things to be found only in the secret place alone with him. Imagine all the things that he wants to say to us, things that we do not know. Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah chapter 33, 3, he says, call to me. And he says, I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. I have a prayer book and I also have a little yellow pad. I'm taking notes. There are big things coming up for Church in the Sun. The big things that are going to happen in the families in this church. We're going to raise up missionaries, pastors, leaders, maybe a president of the United States, senators, leaders. Here's Jackie. How old are you, Jackie? How old? 15. I heard you. 15. Here she's standing up here singing. And we're going to raise up students, and we're not interested just in them not sinning. Our plan is not, well, don't sin. Our plan is that their vision is so big that they think about sinning like, give me a break. My life is too great. And God's going to raise up an army in this place. And I'm going to ask everyone, you begin to write down what you see for you and your family and your future. And it may be outrageous and it may be ridiculous and it may be startling, but you begin to declare more. You declare 
bigger things, you begin to believe and see your life as a person who has been called by God. Every person has a call of God on their life. And it begins with prayer. It begins when we begin to get serious with God. And we have students that are 15, 14, 17, college students that are so on fire and they are so hungry for the things of God that they are able to rise up like a Daniel, a young boy, that it didn't look like he had any hope because he was uh, thrown to another country almost as a prisoner. But Daniel, Daniel's strength was not that he was smart, while well, he was smart, but he was smart enough to pray and call on the Lord and every plan the enemy had for him was shattered And I want you to know this morning that the plans that God has for us are not insignificant. We are not sitters and lookers letting someone stop us and letting our problems become so big that we live majoring in depression and anxiety. There are some here that today, you are down, you are out, and you personally somehow don't see a way out And I want to thank you for coming this morning because there is a way out and you're going to pray your way out and you're going to bind the principalities and the powers of the enemy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Got off my notes here now. Whenever God is preparing to do something great in the earth... Matthew Henry says, in the 18th century, he first sets his people to prayer. All of us know of John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church and started a revival in the 18th century in England. We all know Charles Wesley, who wrote 6,000 hymns, some of which we sing. Most of us don't know, however, about Susanna, the mother. She had, you think you have problems. She had 19 kids. Let us pray. (laughs) But Suzanne didn't allow 19 kids. Now, she lost some of them. But she didn't allow a myriad of kids to dent her prayer life. In the middle of the day, or whenever she did, she had an apron And she would put her apron over her head. And you dare not call mom when the apron was over her head. Because she would pray and she would touch God. And God raised up a family and changed the world through her prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now notice on the diagram here, one of the di- on the diagram is this thing of petitions. And we read in John chapter 15, where the Bible says very beautifully, verse number seven, if you abide, read it with me, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. 
You will ask what you desire. Now, the asking what you desire and seeking God to do it is called faith. And faith gets an answer. But our faith is connected to something. The Bible says, here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. My words in the Greek word words is the word rhema. And the word rhema literally means that which has been uttered by the living voice. To abide means to be held or to keep continuing. So that when we have the word of God and we are alone with God and the Holy Spirit breathes on that, it becomes rhema to us or living. And what John the Apostle is saying now is you have to have the rhema words in you. They get out of the Bible, not a chapter at a time, but one verse. And the more the word abides in us with our problems and our circumstances, then our faith is attached to those words that are abiding in us. So we are abiding in Jesus. His words are abiding in us so that faith is attached to those words. And rather than saying, I'm believing for healing, I specifically quote what God says about that. And I use that as my weapon of power because now I'm not just saying something, I'm having the power of the Holy Spirit. For example, in Philippians 4 9, when you have lack and you don't have a job and you see the lack as your middle name, rather than saying, Lord, help me, you can begin to pull out a verse and incarcerate it inside of your spirit until it becomes a word abiding inside of you. And when it's inside of you, faith attaches itself to that which God has said. And now you're more powerful because you begin to say, my God, but God will supply Philippians 4.19 will, will meet all of my needs according to his, his riches in glory, in his, of his glory in Christ Jesus. And you begin to say that, and if you have to write it on soap on your big mirror, you begin to get one verse. Don't start with a thousand. Don't start and say, well, I don't know any verses. Well, I'll tell you what, you start with one. Just like when we were children, we didn't know how to count, but somebody said one plus one equals two. And everybody knows one plus, well, you begin to get one verse and you begin to say it, get it in your heart. My God, say it with me, my God. Say it again, my God. My God will meet 
all your needs according to the riches. Jesus has the riches of his glory. He has everything I need and I'm going to be tenacious and I'm going to keep believing no matter what happens. If it doesn't happen today, I'm not going to doubt the creator of the universe. I'm going to stand and I'm going to be determined that it's going to happen. My mentor has been Dr. Crandall for years. I pray with him almost every Saturday, Saturday night. He pastored one church in Brooklyn for 40 years, mega church thousands. He spoke for 25 years for Dave Wilkerson at Times Square. And he was a university, past, uh, university president for 15 years. Yesterday, I was on the phone. I said, Pastor Crandall, tomorrow I'm talking to everyone about the secret place about prayer. What do you think I should tell them? And my mentor is a man of prayer. And I listen, and he has almost the same prayer every week, and he's hoping I get it. He said, tell the people that when they pray, they have to believe. And then he said, they have to believe, and he said the word believe until I got it. Believe. You have to believe. And then he said, you can't give up. And he said, you have to pray in the will of God, not your will. You have to pray what God wants, not what you want. And you have to get the will of God. And then something he has told me for years and years and years and years, and won't stop saying it in his prayer. And don't limit God. Say it with me. Don't limit God. Say it louder. Don't limit God. Say it again. Don't limit God. And every week I hear him. And Lord, uh, help Alex not, not to limit God. Help, help him not to limit God. And I wonder how many times we are limiting God because it didn't happen yet. And now we're going to go into a solemn of doubt and discouragement. And who is God? And this didn't happen. Stop being God. You're not in the answering department. We are called to pray. We're not called to just pray. We are called to pray in faith. We are called to believe that what God says is going to come true. And we have to believe it. I believe the more we believe it and the more we speak it and the more we continue with it, I believe that in our hearts, now we have an accelerated faith and then we begin to do things differently so that when you go in for an interview, you don't go in like, can you give me a job? You go in as a child of God, like we've been singing, and you try to, you tell them how great, I mean, you, you tell them good things about yourself in humility, but you have a confidence. You have a confidence in God. You have a confidence that God is going before you. You have a confidence that God is for you. Hallelujah. And miracles happen when we pray and declare what God says. I was getting this yesterday. Got it this morning. Woke up at three o'clock this morning. And I kept sensing the Lord saying, today, someone in our family or whoever is gonna be healed of cancer, today, someone is watching online that has cancer. They're going to be healed in the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, I'm declaring one person is going to be healed of cancer right now. In the name of Jesus. And we stand on Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. His punishment brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. We stand on it today. If you are sick, if you are down, in the name of Jesus, if you have mild depression, if you are living so low, in the name of Jesus, we declare your emotions are healed. We declare your mind is sharp. We declare your body has energy. We declare you are living in prosperity. I declare over this church a spirit of prosperity. We are not failures. We are not in lack in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of lack in the name of Jesus. I come against this poverty spirit in the name of Jesus. And I declare blessing. I declare blessing on our students. I declare blessings on every person in this church in the name of Jesus. I declare you're getting a better job. I declare you have bigger dreams than that job you have. Get out of where you are in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I wish above all things you prosper and be in health in the name of Jesus. I'm not planning on getting sick. I'm not planning on slowing down. I'm not planning on anything but health, blessing, prosperity, goodness of God in the name of Jesus. You need to look at yourself in the mirror tomorrow morning. Ladies, when you're putting on your makeup and you better begin to say, I am blessed. You have to say your name. Father, my name is Barbara. I am a child of God. I was at church yesterday and I am free. And look on your mirror and look in your face and say to your face, face, you are blessed. You're blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. You have the blessing of the Lord on you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Not a Claire. There are some here today, you have a spirit of poverty. Your kids, your kids, 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 grandchildren are all failures and you're in the rut of following. Listen to me. When you come into the family of God, you're now in to a new generation of blessing in the name of Jesus. I am believing in this church that there is going to be such a movement of prayer that every single man in this room, every single student, and students, you lead the way. Every mother, every son, every nephew, every person in this building, you say, well, I don't have a prayer. Well, guess what? You begin tomorrow morning, and the best thing is not how you're going to pray. You begin to decide tonight when you go home, I'm getting in bed earlier to get up earlier, and I'm going to commit myself to five minutes of prayer. Start with five minutes. Take that diagram, put that diagram, take a picture of it, and maybe you sit there for five minutes and all you do is say, God, you're so good. God, I bless you. Pull out a psalm, read the psalm. God is so good. Walk around your house, walk around your truck, walk around your tent and say, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed, and then go to work. I'm believing that God wants to speak to us about who he has called us to be and what he has called us to do. 
This thing of sitting down in your chair, ladies and gentlemen, and not being used of God is nothing but spiritual blindness because you don't know what's in you, you're not gonna use it. And what you're saying is, I'm a no gifted person, I didn't even make the one talent, I'm sitting in the corner here, and I'm who am I, and I'm nothing, and I'm not used, used of God. Listen, listen, if you're breathing this morning, you're watching online, if you are breathing, you have been given gifts. God gave me some gifts, and I have to decide, am I gonna use my gifts or look at them? A lot of people are looking at themselves. Looking at your gifts doesn't mean anything. You gotta step up and stand down and take off and begin to do something. I'm believing for somebody in this church to head up first impressions that we have a team out here on the parking lot. Judy says she's getting the team together. I might go out next week because so help us God. We're going to have a first impression team out there on the grounds and we're going to have somebody rise up here and a team that'll go out there in the sun and we'll get you a glass of water. And when these people come from the nations of the world, we'll run over to their car, help them with their kids, take them to the nursery. Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready for the greatest revival in the history of the, of the Christian church right here, right here, right here. This week, it's very clear to me, we are going to put our footprint in this city like we have never had before. We're going everywhere. We're going out. And this is our, our camp, our beachhead here. This is our training deal. But this isn't the deal. This is not the deal. This is the training deal to love Jesus and get out of here and use your talents, and use our gifts, and see a mighty revival of the people out here who are taking their lives, killing themselves, opioids, drugs, divorces, depression, living miserably, miserable, they have no hope. And if I'm not saying something and I'm not doing something, then what I'm saying to them is, so be lost because I'm not into that. We ought to be into what Jesus is into. Hallelujah. Got off my notes here a little bit, uh, Austin. But I tell you, let there, be a, let there be a movement of prayer. I'm gonna ask with that diagram, I hope everybody took a picture of that diagram. I'm gonna ask everybody, I'm gonna ask everybody tomorrow, not next week. Don't pray an hour. Start out with five minutes. Play a little bit there, Austin. Five minutes. And don't pray every other day or once a week. If you eat every day, pray every day. Let's kill giants. Let's take out our fierce enemy, every demon spirit in the name of Jesus. I'm commissioning every person in this room to get out. You know what your calling is. You know what he's called you to do. 
Sometimes it's standing at a door over here, hugging people. They're coming depressed. Just had someone die in their family and you're at the door to hug them and be Jesus. Don't marginalize a position at a door. Let me tell you, they're going to come by the thousands. And the people coming through these doors are people who are desperate, like you and I. And we need love. We need a hug. And we need hope. We need somebody to bring us up. So I'm commissioning every student over here. I'm commissioning every father, every mother. I know you're busy. I know you have a business. I know you have kids. So what? What if everyone stayed with their family? Who's going to go? I'm commissioning you to go. In Jesus' name. Let me tell you, I'm starting a series very soon. On the end is near. On end times, let me tell you, the world is going crazy. There are going to be some really terrible things happen. We better get together now and prepare for the revival. We're going to stand in just a moment. No one leave, please. Sorry I'm a little fired up here today. The Holy Spirit is calling us to pray. The Holy Spirit is calling us to pray. Pray our kids in. Pray every demonic power to be broken in the name of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not the victims. We're not backed into a corner. We are the victors in Christ. We're going to sing this song. Are we still singing that song? Waiting here for you. Come on, stand. Lift your hands. Sing it. Lift your voices. Lift your voices to the Father.
want us to sing this line very tenderly, Jesus, I love you. And let's push every love out, every love that we have. Listen to me this morning, time is short. You have to throw away your lovers. Technology is probably our main lover right now. Encroaches upon our prayer. I want us to sing the best song we could ever sing to the Lord. Jesus, I love you. Let's raise our hands and sing it. Sing it together. dismiss our meeting without giving people an opportunity to be forgiven of their sins. I remember the night, it was on a Sunday night when I really came to the altar and I gave my life to Christ. Greatest miracle ever happens on the earth is when one person is embedded in sin, separated from Christ, condemnation, reeking, and guilt, 
thoughts of shame. And Jesus in the Bible was always reaching out to people that were down on themselves, had made a lot of bad decisions. So in a a minute, we want to give an opportunity for those that would say, listen, today I need the forgiveness of Christ. I need to give myself to him. I can tell you if you come in faith and we've put our faith in what Christ did on the cross, that he died for our sins, we put our faith in the fact that he was resurrected from the dead. And every person here can have a new start and a new life and a new heart. And that begins by being desperate and saying, Jesus, would you forgive me? That lady that was having an affair in the Bible and they wanted to kill her. Jesus ended up showing her magnificent grace and she went off and he said, don't do that, don't sin anymore. Grace is all-encompassing. Make, make the decision to get out of darkness. It's in your purview to make the decision. You can make the decision in a minute by raising your hand. And one raised hand, like the person drowning in the waters, one hand going up and one person coming and the person here today is Jesus your sins are not too big and too expansive for Christ he can take anyone we count to three when I do at the end of that in the balcony on the sides if you need to be forgiven Don't be reticent, but lift your hand. Defy your past. One, two, three. Put your hand up right now, wherever you are. Put it up, put up, put it up, put it up. Over this building, put it up. Away from God. When I ask those that lifted your hand to come, stand here in the front for a minute. All over the building, balcony, walk down. Come and stand, say yes to Christ. Jesus, I love you. Come right now, wherever you are. Father, we loose people in this room that are being held captive by the enemy. They are lied to daily and they seek the things that destroy them. And we break the grip and the hold of every power in the name of Jesus. I want you to turn to someone next to you and just say, do you need to come to Jesus? And if they say yes, just walk down the aisle with them. There's somebody here needs to come to Christ. Ask somebody. Ask them, do they need Jesus? And bring them down right now.
Wherever you are, come to Christ. Over here, yes, you come to Christ. See, we give the altar call. You feel the tenseness in the air? <laughs> but we're not losing. We're not losing in the name of Jesus. Here, you come. Yeah. Jesus, we love you. Come right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. pray all of us and you that have come God bless you for coming your next step is to be baptized in water and make a declaration there are about four here this morning that you once knew the Lord and you actually believe there's no hope because you got on the wrong path in faith you pray this prayer and you get back to where God wants you to be everyone just say this prayer Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace. Gift of righteousness. Eternal life. You prayed that prayer, you're in the family. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on.